Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unscripted Interview Podcast. And this show, as you probably know if you've been listening for a while, we talk to the filmmakers that we screen and Unscripted. Today's episode is very special because I have the men behind Blood Moon Pictures, PJ Starks and Eric Huskison, who met at Unscripted, actually, and PJ, of course, created the, the program. Uh, and we've never really <laughs> talked about him. Of course. I right. Have. Well, I mean, yeah, I want to say, of course, because we've told that. Right. But we never actually talked about the origin of Unscripted on the podcast. So we're going to get into that, how he and Eric met, formed their company and started making movies together. So, PJ, let's start with you. Sure. Tell me about just Unscripted as a whole. Where did this idea come from? I know you'd been making movies in Owensboro for a while. Uh, first shift, second shift, the classics, you know. And uh, I think the first one I saw that you made was at OCTC. And I remember a scene of you in your underwear. Was that second shift? Uh, yeah. Are you talking about the, the one with the whitey tidies? Yes. Yeah, that was second shift. Okay. So that I thought was hilarious. Used my friend's <laughs> band. Uh, there's some uh, ex-library employee in there, an old friend of mine named Josh. Starkin. Yeah, <laughs> lots of lots of good connections there. So I saw that. I saw uh, Slaughter on Second Street. So you know, you did some festivals and everything, mm-hmm. but eventually you had I did that was a little different than festivals. So talk about that. Um, yeah. So I started off doing movies, then I moved into events. Um, and because of the event work, I started reaching out to other uh, different different uh, venues throughout the community. And it started with Kentucky Wesleyan. And I tried to do this thing called the Indie Film Series. And it, it fell flat on its face. It really didn't. But it was kind of, it was, it was pretty cookie cutter. It was just showing short films. And that was it. You just show up and watch films. Um, it only went through one series. And it didn't last. I was thinking it was like three weeks, something like that. Maybe maybe one weekend. I really don't know. It, it, but it wasn't anything spectacular. And one night I'm sitting at my, I was in my apartment at this point, And I'm real big on audio commentaries. So I'm sitting there and I'm um, watching Freddie Got Fingered and listening to the audio commentary for that. And what they did with Freddie Got Fingered was they they did the premiere night audio. Mm. So you could hear the cast and crew and stuff, but you hear the audience. Yeah. So it's so if you have a surround sound system, which I had, it sounds like you're in the theater. That's cool. And I'm a big fan of audio commentaries. So with that in mind, I remember sitting there thinking like, man, how cool would it be to sit in a premiere for a big film, watching it, and you're you're right next to the filmmaker and you can just ask them questions. And that is where the idea for Unscripted came from. So then I took that concept and applied it to the short film versus a feature. And uh, originally I was going to go to Wesleyan, but I decided because the indie film series didn't really coalesce, like it didn't really work very well there. You said there um, were some restrictions, right? That didn't really, wasn't really conducive to... Well, yeah, there was some of that, and I just, so I think I had actually reached out to you. I think I wasn't at the library yet, actually. Were you not? No. I reached out to someone, say, and I told, I said, hey, this is this idea I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I call it unscripted, because the whole idea is that, you know, someone shows a film, and then they show it again, and then, but the filmmaker sits down with an audience, and they talk about the film, and people can interrupt them, and, and so... 
So the whole thing is just like an unscripted type yeah. of situation. And uh, the long and the short of it is they said, hey, you should talk to the library. Mm-hmm. So I could have sworn it was you. No, I started like maybe the month that I started was like the unscripted was already set up. And that was like the first event. That okay. I yeah. Because whoever, then whoever I talked to said, um, Jim was who I needed to talk yeah. to because he's very open to new. Right. And he, that, that dude loves in. horror movies and just right, kind of right. stuff. Yeah. So I went and met with him and this is, this was in 2012 and pitched him the idea for unscripted. He loved the idea. So what we did at that point was we said, okay, we'll do it for a month and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And so I went out and then got some sponsors, movie theater, um, free popcorn. Yeah, did the free popcorn. The I think the library did the drinks. Yeah. I helped pitch in on the drinks as well. And then the family video provided posters because we were doing like giveaways at the end. We were passing out tickets. Rest in peace, family video. Right. <laughs> and uh, and then also there was a uh, there was a live music component. So mm-hmm. the first thirty minutes of the of the of the event before the screenings took place that a musician would come in yeah. and they would sing for 30 minutes, do like a live show. Um, yeah. So then we pulled off unscripted and it went far better than I think anybody. Yeah. And we did two a year there for a while. Yeah. And we even did uh, like, two of like we, six weeks, right? I think. From yeah. Started. Yeah. And we even that same, that same year, we even did a, um, like a cancer fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, that first, that first, after the first series. But I, I just remember that by the second screening, there was somewhere around 80 people that came and do both rooms. Uh, we did a conference call from room to room. Yeah. We kind of had to start the movie at the exact same time and it worked somehow. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, compared to, compared to what the indie film series did, it was a surprise. Yeah. Was, and I feel like a lot of people came to that, not necessarily knowing about local film. And some of those people got involved and started doing some pretty big things, including Eric, our friend side. Eric, uh, give a little background about yourself. I want to know like what, what your history with film is and uh, tell us about, you know, how you heard about Unscripted. I um, I grew up watching um, horror movies on, um, I think it was mostly Friday or Saturday nights back, you know, about your Elvira, yeah. Ghoulie. Her memoir is um, excellent, by the way. I don't know if you've read that book. Um, God, what was the other guy up in uh, Indiana? I can't think of his name. God, every time I do this, I can't remember his name. And then the next day, it'll pop in my head. Joe Bob Briggs. Well, no, but I mean, um, but my dad would let me stay up late and oh, watch yeah. these. And I don't know how it began or what, but he, I think he just saw that I had an interest in him. And I really didn't care about the plot or that it was scary or whatever. But what fascinated me was like the special effects, how they made stuff look so real. Right. And it just fascinated me. And, I, I, you know, some of it spooked me. Some of it, I turned my head away when I was younger. <laughs> but I still wanted to watch them because I got into it. You know, I even had a little cigar box when I was a kid. I, I had wax and paint and all this stuff. And I would make up my makeup little, friend, little uh, friend's elbows and stuff and fingers. <laughs> and they'd go to their parents. Oh, Bell, look. And they're like, oh, my God. And then I would get in trouble. <laughs> You know, um, but as I got older, I got into theater in uh, high school and I was still. So you did plays and stuff? I did plays. I was pretty much in every play. I was only at the high school three years with the way things switched. Um, But in those three years, I was in every play. I kind of got asked by the director, uh, uh, Mr. Jury, at the time. Uh, They didn't have a whole lot of guys back then that were interested. It wasn't as cool as it is now. Right, back in the day, it's like, oh, that's for girls. Yeah, in the 80s, it wasn't wasn't as cool. And uh, so I did it, and I kind of got hooked on them. I I enjoyed the whole thing behind the scenes, on stage, whatever. 
loved doing the sets, doing the lighting, doing the curtain calls, doing every bit of it, and got hooked. Went to Western as a theater major, got down there, and it was a whole different world. Mm -hmm. And the self-esteem that I didn't have before I started getting to theater and built that self-esteem up, I mean, just went right back down. And I kind of got out of it. Now, not saying I still wasn't a horror buff or, or a movie buff and still loved watching movies and going mm -hmm. seeing horror movies, but not till uh, a friend of mine, uh, Grady Cooper here in Owensboro, we were getting ready to go to Chicago Comic-Con. And uh, he goes, hey, man, they're having this thing at the library. And I don't even think he knew what the name of it. He goes, but they're having a zombie night. They're doing a, a contest. Maybe we should do our zombie stuff and maybe make some money because they're having prizes yeah. to help us out and go. And I'm like, okay. Well, he ends up not doing the makeup, and I did it. Well, I came in second, but the lady that won is a special effects artist here in Owensboro. Right. And the prizes weren't monetary. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember what I won. Exposure points. Exposure points. <laughs> but at the end of the night, uh, PJ come up and I was talking to somebody, I think, and he waited a second and then he started talking to me and we exchanged numbers. And, uh, I'm within about a week. You called me and you were doing the, um, the WBKR uh, death. Yeah. The zombie. Oh death. yeah. 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 I was in that too. Project death pack. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Project death pack. And uh, he goes, Hey, would you want to do your zombie stuff and come and be filming? And I'm like, sure. And then my friend Grady came and he was a body. Oh, nice. And, uh, at the end of it, um, he and I just started talking again, PJ and I, and uh, I was like, man, this is really cool. I'm into this. And I was just, I haven't done it for so long. I got the bug back. I wanted right. to do this stuff. And, and I was like, man, you need help with anything else. And he's like, well, I'm getting ready to go to Scarefest and run their, uh, uh, their movie event. I can't think Film of it. Film Festival. Thank you. He goes, I could probably use a hand up there with that. I was like, hey, man, let me know. And I'll talk to my wife. And then we went, we drove up together and we just kind of hit it off. And we just have a lot of the same likes, the same humor. Uh, you know, the way we look at things, I mean, politically, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. We see a lot of things the same way. And our, our humor, I think, is what oh, pulled yeah. us together. I've been around you guys long enough. I mean, just the <laughs> stuff we recorded in the multiple right. takes before so, we got the podcast. But I mean, up. and what's funny is, is we're, oh, we're almost 15 years apart in age. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, but I mean, we've been together now for God since 2013. Yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, that's how it started. We just came out. Basically, Scarefest is when it was just hook, line, and simple. We basically became friends. And then he asked me to be, I kind of begged and begged and begged and begged to be part of Volumes of Blood. I'll do anything. I'll do yeah. anything. I don't care, man. Take some pressure off. Give me something to do. <laughs> and he slowly started to trust me a little bit. He didn't want to release some stuff. And he finally, at the end, I think he was getting a little stressed out doing it all. Yeah. He started you know, giving me a few more things. And then course i was in it and helped out with that and yeah. then the joke of need being pj's assistant kind of <laughs> became uh the if you've never seen bodies both watch it there's a scene in there between him and i that has caused a lot of people to come up and ask us questions <laughs> yeah we did uh yeah that we do have that at the library so definitely check that right. out if you haven't um, already but i guess that's that's yeah scare the uh, meeting at the unscripted and the scarefest trip is what solidified us working together and becoming friends after the first unscripted first two i guess we met to talk about things we could do with a second year to do things different it was you i think alicia brian from the library and then jim the library director at the time and it was jim right that was like let's try to make a film festival or not a film festival but a film school like uh, i think he proposed that idea jim was a big idea guy mm -hmm. and he somehow made him work and yeah, you two i think met several times afterwards and you were able to get the volumes of blood project together uh, I think first though we did the the I think the first year 
was the two shorts, right? Right. Yeah. So, so talk about that and kind of your side of things that I am not familiar with and how hard was it to wrangle everybody and everything? Yes. Yeah, so, so, I mean, it was Jim who kind of approached with the idea of doing something where, um, you know, we would sh maybe try to shoot some kind of a film in the library. And then after, you know, we went back and forth on things, it became, um, it was like, hey, how about instead of just shooting one, what if we make it like a, a, a competition where you have two competing filmmakers and then what we do is we open it up to the community. We do a registration community can come in and we have people that, you know, can shadow the different, different behind, like different, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Contestants. A long contestants. Filmmakers. <laughs> the, di the different jobs that are being done, uh, you know, oh, yeah. director photography, special effects, director, sound, you know, boom operator, sound engineer, all that. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's what we did, and it was called the Unscripted Film School, and that's how it began. It was uh, two competing regional filmmakers who came in, and we shot simultaneously, um, I believe it was on a Saturday. Yep. And uh, we even opened it up where we did a screenplay contest where mm -hmm. people could uh, write scripts, send them in, and if, uh, you know, whoever we, we ended up choosing the winner, and one, in, one was like an espionage-type thriller, and the other one was a horror film. And that's what we did. So that ended up becoming was a success. Right. And, and it went really well. And, yeah. then, and then what we did was is uh, that was we did that at the beginning of a series. And then we ended the unscripted that unscripted series particular in particular with a uh, premiere of those two shorts. And then we allowed the audience to vote on which right. one that they liked the best. And then we gave awards out to the filmmakers. Yeah, we had some certificates printed up. Right, right. You know, real official looking type, <laughs> type certificates. Um, and then that went so well, Jim came to me and said, hey, I want to do something bigger and better still under the guise of the Unscripted Film School. But I, I don't know what that that is. So let's do. So think about, think about some ideas and uh, and then come back to me. And I said, OK, cool. So. One day while I was, I was at universe at this point, having the soul sucked out of my mind. <laughs> and um, when I should have been working, I spent the entire day kind of coming up with ideas. And I'd been wanting to do an anthology for a really long time up to this point. So I, so I thought, well, what if instead of shooting one or two simultaneous shorts at the library on a single night, what if we took a series of like of months and then we shot one short every month. So we do like five shorts and that all uh, uh, culminates into a feature film. So then we have a, a whole feature that we can then turn around and submit to film festivals and all that. And that's so that's where I came up with Volumes of Blood and, and even the moniker, because obviously it's a lot of volumes of blood. Right. So. Went to Jim, sat down, said, look, what if we did an anthology? We call it Volumes of Blood. I don't know what the stories are going to be just yet, but we bring back maybe the guy that worked on the first Unscripted Film School to write one of the stories, and I'll do the rest. And then, um, and that's what we did. And then that's where, so that's where the idea for the feature, Volumes of Blood, came from. Of course, you know, none of us knew what was going to come of Volumes of Blood. We didn't know it was going to end up winning all these awards and swimming all over the world and 
ultimately finding distribution and, and, and even on VHS, which I was impressed by. Right. Which was a short lived. Well, I don't I don't even know if it really I know it was promoted that it was going to be. on. VHS. Oh, it didn't release. Yeah. We, uh, see, I didn't I wasn't able to snag a copy, but I just yeah. I thought it did. Oh, Technically, okay. the first the first distributor that we got the movie to um, kind of screwed us. Uh, well, not kind of screwed us big time. But uh, it's all a part of the uh, the long and tumultuous history <laughs> of volumes of blood. Um, but the funny thing was, is that ult- like so when we made volumes of blood, the library didn't uh, didn't want to have any control over it beyond be, like beyond actually just facilitating the actual production yeah. side of things, which was nice because then that allowed us to have control of the right project. the only thing i think you had to submit the script to the board right wasn't that yeah and that was a nightmare yeah <laughs> you always hear about uh filmmakers in like the mpa well right. now the mpa most yeah. picture association and of course you know they'll they'll look at a film and they'll say this you can have this 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 and this so right. they, they go in they in, in some ways uh kind of tear apart a filmmaker's original idea and vision mm-hmm. And so uh, we wrote the script for Volumes of Blood, and then I submitted it to the board at the library because, of course, they had to approve it. Right. And then Jim said, okay, well, what's going to happen is, is we'll, everyone will read it, we'll sit down, and um, we'll get it back to you with whatever changes or adjustments, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So uh, I finally got the script back, and, and Jim was like, okay, everything that's highlighted has to be removed or changed. And I was like, <laughs> oh, Okay. So I sit down and I start reading it. And it's like every cuss word, oh, gone, yeah. right? <laughs> every there was there was a lot of um, like sexual type jokes oh, and innuendos yeah. and things. About I would say ninety eight percent of those <laughs> are gone. And I'm a big Kevin Smith fan, right. so if you if you watch any of the things that I've written, you can see how heavily influenced by yeah. Kevin that I am. Um, so. So there was that, and there was a few other things, and I remember sitting down, I remember like calling Eric and going, mm-hmm. I don't even know if I want to do this thing. <laughs> and it was only because in my mind, you know, I, it's like when you write something, you have very specifically in your head, like what you want to do and what right. you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And then when someone comes to you and says, yeah, you can't do what you want, <laughs> then I kind of, you know, you, you have that like. You yeah, go into like little baby mode. Reactionary, like, yeah. Well, I can't do this. I'm not going to do it at all. Right. <laughs> so I, I remember sitting down talking to Eric, and I was like, they took out all the cuss words. There's still some, though. No, there was – no, they all got removed. Really? Oh, there were some. Yeah, no. Um, all the sexual innuendos were, were gone, all the jokes, and there was one very specifically, which I won't repeat here, that I really wanted because it was funny. And, <laughs> and so all that got – and I was mad. I was, I was really, really mad. Yeah. Um, and Eric was to the point where I was literally like, I told Eric, I said, uh, all my excitement for this project is gone. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know if I, I even want to bother doing this anymore. And he goes, well, he goes, well, let me ask you this. He said, are you making this movie to make a movie and to tell a story? Or are you making this movie so you can tell poop and fart jokes? <laughs> so you got to ask yourself, like, why are you doing this? Yeah. And he goes, are you really going to throw away this opportunity to be able to shoot a feature when they're going to let you pretty much do? He goes, is that all they touched was the cussing and the, and the other stuff? Because it's pretty violent. I said, yeah. I said, as a matter of fact, they didn't touch any of the violence. And he goes, okay. 
So you, it's still a win, right? Yeah. Like they only took it. He goes, you can still tell a story without all the cussing and you can still tell a story. With, he goes, you just have to adjust some of the dialogue, right? I said, yeah. He goes, but everything else is the same, right? Mm -hmm. So most of it's still the same. I said, yeah, pretty much. And he goes, okay. So then what's the problem? And I was like, all right, yeah. It's a voice of what actually happened because of me. <laughs> was, that was going to be my next. That was going to be my next question. Like I was Eric's going to hand him the microphone, but now that he said that, I'm not <laughs> once I went to see Spinal Tap, that not the movie, but the actual band, uh, they played the Ramen acoustic. They played songs from a Mighty Wind, and Spinal Tap was awesome. But there was one part in the show where they had a big notebook. They read uh, it was like notes from standards and practices before Spinal Tap could be aired on the network. Things that had to be cut out. They did like a dramatic reading. It was hilarious. But yeah, I mean, it, that's a very good point that uh, Eric had. And uh, I'm glad he had that conversation with you. Because, well, uh, because yeah, I mean, if you were, do you think you would have walked away if not for him flipping you like that? I, I, well, I think, I think in my, in my opinion, I think he would have went and looked like, Hey guys, this is a little bit drastic. We got to put some of this back. I think he would have tried, yeah. but I think they still would have shown him, but I still think he would have done it. I really do. I think he's right. I, I think, think I, he would, at, the, at the emotion at the beginning, it's just like, you know, like he said, ah, forget it then. Yeah. You know, but you calm down and you What's the old, old expression, and, kill right, your darlings right. or whatever. Yeah, but it was definitely a knee-jerk reaction yeah. because, I mean, I, I, I remember flipping through the script and just getting more and more angry as I went through. Um, and then, yeah, so my the very first thing I did was I called Eric. Mm -hmm. I was just, I had to vent. I had to get it out of my system. So it was, de it definitely was just like right out of the gate. That was how I felt emotionally. Right. But I, I don't think I would have like called the library the next day and been like, you know what? You took all the fart jokes out. Well, guess what? <laughs> Figure out how to do your own movie somewhere else. And I mean, it's still like the fact that I didn't remember that there weren't cuss words in it. Like I thought there was some in there, like, and it's still funny. So I, I feel like it still works. I mean, yeah, I don't think you lost all I, not that I've read the original script. All the, and what, here's what's really, what, what ended up being, really funny i think was there's like two or three innuendos <laughs> that didn't get touched and that's because i'm assuming they're they're so no. urban dictionary yeah, i was about to say heavy, nobody's in their urban dictionary they did not catch them yeah. and it went right over their heads because i remember going through the one of them one of them went over my head yeah you, yeah i had to go what is that <laughs> I remember going, they took out all of them, but this one, and I read it and he was like, yeah, what, what does that even mean? And uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think it's I had to look still, at it as well. Yeah, huh? It's still, and, and that, and that's what's, that's what's great about it. When you watch the movie with an audience, because when that we've had screenings where that joke hits, right. Mm -hmm. And everybody in the theater laughs. We've had other audiences where only a few people laugh. So then you know who like the dirtiest people <laughs> you do get some people in there going, oh, yeah, because they couldn't believe it was in there. <laughs> and then you have some audiences where it there's silence. So you assume that it's probably the board of directors uh, because they don't understand what's being said. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so, Eric, was this uh, your first time on a film set? Um, I had forgotten when I was talking a while ago that, um, when I started begging PJ to help out, um, I actually helped with the two shorts and I helped, I was a PA on the one that won. I can't even think of the name of it. Lucky. 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 Yeah. No, yeah. No, another one's mistrust. mistrust. Yeah. yeah. I still have the uh, was, scripts in my office. From I can name all like... kinds of the actors and actresses in both of them, but I couldn't remember the name of yeah. the films, but I did help with that. 
Um, but yeah, it is my first film I helped I helped with other than those shorts. And it was the first one you appeared in too, right? I guess. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yes. Uh, talk about that, I guess, and uh, just you guys can both weigh in on like the day to day. I like uh, I would like to condense the the six months shoot and uh, talk any crazy stories you remember or uh, you know just things just any memorable things just discuss from unscripted. Um. I guess the one scene, I don't know if I should say it, if it's not a spoiler, what happened between you and I that caused a lot of people to say stuff and, and you know, the, oh, yeah, I think but uh, there's a scene in there where PJ, uh, it's a joke because of things that gone on. PJ was the guy, and I, I'm begging him, so it became a joke where I'm PJ's assistant <laughs> on the back of my shirt. It's like marked out and then, well, the, the B-I-T-C-H word is written there, so <laughs> it becomes a joke. It's okay. I'm just like, you can I'm, say that here. I'm just like his whipping post in a sense, and he gets mad at me on set, and he actually and he slaps me out of anger. Well, it was a real slap too. Right? So yeah, that that's the point I'm making, and a lot of people have come to us and goes, "Oh my God, that look!" You know, I was like, "Well, it was real," because I, I looked at him. I'm like, "Look, there's no point in us sitting here. We're all tired, wasting a bunch of time doing a bunch of takes to make it look right, putting some sound effects in it, just freaking hit me." <laughs> and uh, he goes, "Are you serious?" I'm like, "Yeah." So we did it, and man, he knocked the hell. <laughs> so I mean, it wasn't like like a punch, but it was a lot harder than I thought, and it stung pretty good. So what you're saying is you guys are ahead of uh, Will Smith and Chris Rock, right? Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are. Um, and I, I get, I mean, I, I ended up I was prop master on that, so I was pretty busy doing stuff like that. But I remember um, we went and got some some hog innards to use for. Uh, so, I didn't know that's what that was. <laughs> yes, uh, when you see uh, the uh, tire on the head, and yeah. there's actually stuff that slides or shoots out. That is actually uh, hog kidneys. Wow. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> we did learn from that experience that that'll never happen again because <laughs> that stuff uh, doesn't stay very well. It smells, and it's very bad and hard to clean up. Oh, yeah. um, remember, there was some uh, issues on a bathroom floor uh, that we had. That, that was the exploding head, right? Uh, yeah. Well, no. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Got yeah, it was the exploding head, and uh, I think Jim got pretty upset at the time about that. He was. He was I, I don't know that he was upset. I know he was stressed. I think he yeah. was worried about then, how, uh, how they would handle hearing that. And, 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 and I think there's still some remnants there. Um, there was. Uh, it's been cleaned now, unfortunately. On the ceiling? Oh, yeah, yeah. Really? They, Charles cleaned it finally after like years and years. Oh, man. Um, yeah, no, that's, uh, I was there for every night of volumes a lot. I, I don't think I was involved with the shorts at all, but, uh, yeah, I would just, you know, okay, we need something for the boom. I got, we got a mop, mop handle for somebody or whatever, but that's one thing I remember about it a lot is the cleanup. Cause we would basically come into the library at like five 30 and we closed at six on Saturday mm -hmm. and immediately, cause people were already preparing the last three minutes that we were open and immediately went into it shoot, 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 shoot. And then like at a certain point, like was it like one o'clock or something? We had to start cleaning up. Yeah. So we had to be out by two. And it was like a, I, I felt like a reality show of that movie would have yeah. been really good because it was like intense. There's some, some fighting, some, some cleaning and some worrying and all that. And yeah, there was blood on the ceiling in our first floor for quite some time. Well, I had the men just here recently in the last few months. Yeah, it's, I can't remember when he did it. It was yeah, last so it was, year. It was something. up there on there because we still tell people about it. I guess yeah, we can't anymore. I know. But I, it was a nightmare because if we didn't get out in time, the alarm went off. Yeah. And here everybody is already tired, stressed out, lack right. of sleep, working all day and all night. And then it's like, okay, well, we're done. We've got to get everything out of here in 30 minutes. 
and you're exhausted. <laughs> right. And uh, everybody's running Got into each other. The fabulous stuff is not getting in the boxes and stuff. I think we lost some stuff. I think so, yeah. Some some people got some stuff that didn't belong to them, and we've still looked for. And yeah. yeah, the ghost book from, and I and I don't know where it's at, but so for my segment, Ghastly, I had to have a I had a fake book made. The the ghost book, right, Mike right? did several of those, right? Uh, well, there was only one that was actually made, but I got okay. like a James Patterson book, and I took <laughs> the the dust cover off. Yeah, and then I had uh, well, yeah, Mike designed the actual Mike cover, Hall. Mike Hall designed the actual cover for it and then what i did was i gave it to you all and then you all laminated it and you put a tag on it and yeah. everything so the night that we shot the segment i forgot and left the book there and i think it got put it's in probably circulation. yeah yeah that's hilarious i had no idea what the number was or anything <laughs> i wonder if it's still on a shelf somewhere nobody's noticed i'll look by right. then it's just called ghosts maybe because like i mean Weeding and stuff happens and shelf checking happens a lot. So somebody might have found it. Or, I mean, if they did, they may have thought it was just like a book. If it got shelved with the, the author's name. Yeah, because they the didn't book. open up and look in to see if it was the I'll, have cover. To, I'll have to see if I can dig that up. That'll yeah, and, and real quick, too, Brett Gray did the actual, the artwork. Oh, yeah, front. Brett's awesome. Yeah, and then I gave that to Mike Hall, and then he kind of designed the rest of, okay. the, of the book. But, yeah, it's it's I've, I've always wondered because I had everybody autograph it yeah. that, on the inside that night. And then I went and left. My, if, if there was writing inside of it and someone like who did the weeding didn't know about it, they might have like weeded it out. But uh, I'll, I'll check and see if that's so in Mike there. got stuck on that, uh, that like you can buy this book for a yeah. dollar. Yeah. So that so, label that you all put on there was an actual label that you could scan? I don't um, – I mean it, it was one that we used. I don't know if it got cataloged. So like I don't know if well, we scanned it. If it, it like, look for it? Like, well, I would just like, look alphabetically and the, in the – the section was for Lucian Fur or whatever it was. The, yeah, yeah. Lucian Fair. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, would, I would just look because if it got shelved, it would have been alphabetical. So if somebody would put it up with all That would be name, funny which, if that's still there. Yeah, I, I bet though if, what, if, if it got, if, it had, if somebody noticed the writing inside of it, they probably would have weeded it. But yeah, I will definitely look for that tomorrow. That's, that's funny. Uh, so, you know, that was like six months and then the premiere was at the, the new convention center. And then I know you did your film festival. Your film festival was one of the first things at the convention center, right? Uh, you're talking about the River, River City, City Festival, Festival films. films. Um, so that was year three okay. that I actually did at the convention center. Gotcha. But that was one of the first events at the new convention center, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's where you ended up having the volumes of blood premiere. Like 400 people. Was that what it was? Uh, we had like 375 okay. somewhere around in that as a ballpark at, for the for that premiere, which once again, I mean, that's more people than we expected. Right. That was huge. Up. Yeah. yeah and, I got recognized. I was at D's Diner the next day. Like, oh, it's about the movie. I was like, I get, I get murdered. I, I, the scene that I'm in in the movie. Spoiler alert. Yeah, right. By me. Right. Uh, I come out of my office and be bopping along to a song. Got big headphones on and my scarf because PJ always made fun of me for wearing scarves. And uh, yeah, like, like you weren't naturally wearing that scarf. Yeah, I, mean, I probably would have worn it anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah, Eric comes along in his killer mask and uh, kills me. And yeah, that was fun. I, uh, I've, I've been doused with fake blood a lot by PJ and others. The last time. Uh, was the the thirteen slaves till Christmas, which we'll get to Xmas. Uh, 13, well, it's yeah, it's Christmas. Did you change the Christmas? Okay. Cool. Well, it's it's spelled Xmas on the title, oh, but it's gotcha. still pronounced Christmas. Gotcha, right. gotcha, gotcha. Going back to Volumes of Blood, you had a great premiere that was con under your old company Verite, and then you and Eric came together to form Blood Moon Pictures, which is an actual LLC, and you did all right. all the legal stuff and got everything going. So I guess talk about forming the company, and I know you did the Volumes of Blood sequel, kind of like. We'll speed through the next little bit and get to to 13 slaves. So 
kind of talk about how Blood Moon evolved and the things you've done between uh, Volumes of Blood 1 and uh, 13 Slays. Okay, so... Both of you guys, you know. So when so after we got done with Volumes of Blood, we started uh, you know we before the premiere we started sending it out and and it start we we got reviews and it was it's like got this phenomenal reaction yeah all kinds of hard blogs yeah and then also all these uh, festivals started picking it up and and we were getting tons of praise like including Traumaville right yeah and it was so none of that was anticipated and. We all, you know, when you're making a movie, you, you at some point you inevitably joke about the sequel, but you never really anticipate or expect to make a sequel. And um, so, but what ended up happening is, is like, so the 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 reaction to the movie was so intense and so unexpected and crazy and positive that we thought, well, you know what? Let's test the waters and see if this is a fluke. What if we actually do make a sequel? But then that's when Eric was like, you know, we if we're going to do this, we need to do it the right way. Verite Cinema, as we kind of discussed before the podcast, like it wasn't in any it wasn't official in any capacity. It was name only. It was more or less like a YouTube channel, right? Correct. Essentially. Yeah. And and um, and plus it didn't it didn't really roll off the tongue because a lot of people would be like, what's Verite Cinema? Right. It's hard word to pronounce. Right. So no one really understood that it was a, a play on Cinema Verite. Right. So. Um, I so that's when we started putting our heads together and going, okay, well, if we're going to do this, we got to do it right. We we gotta, let, let's take the next step. Let's create an actual LLC, a production company, um, because if we're gonna if we're gonna move forward on the next project, it's gonna have to be a little bit bigger, a little bit better, and a little bit more professional, um, or even a lot more professional. And then that's so before we even uh, fully move forward, which at that point the the gears had already begun in the pre-production process, the writing and all that, we knew we were going to do a sequel, but we moved forward on creating the LLC first on December of 2015 is when we, so we had the, um, we had the premiere for Volumes of Blood in March of that year. Mm -hmm. And then by December, we had created Blood Moon Pictures. And it had, but we had also already started moving forward, knowing we were going to make a sequel. Yeah, which didn't begin until 2016. Yeah, you had a crowdfunding for that, right? Well, we um, we did. We we had a not so successful crowdfunding campaign for Volumes of Blood. I mean, we ultimately the first Volumes of Blood only cost six thousand dollars, and the majority of that went to like wardrobe and special effects. Um, going into the sequel, there were so many more people and the special effects were so much heavier and more elaborate. We brought some more out of town actors in. I know there were a couple like, uh, in the first one. Uh, yeah. I mean, as far as like recognizable faces, it was more like local celebrities right. in, in the first movie, but the second one, like we me. wanted to correct. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so when we did the sequel, we wanted to we wanted to um, bring in somebody that you know had a, would potentially bring more gravitas right. to, the, to the project, and um, so we I I continued to help co coordinate the the Scarefest Film Festival in Lexington, and it's at a couple events like um, I remember we well we went to a couple different festivals and Moses Mosley was there, mm -hmm. and I had talked and we were talking to him and it, and. Both times I was like, hey, so we got this project coming up and we didn't know 
um, if you would maybe be interested in taking on a role in the movie. And he was like, you know, he would make jokes like, I don't, I'm not so sure you can afford me. <laughs> and, uh, that's but, sorry. He's from, just for those who don't know, he's from the walking dead. Right. He was one of Michonne's pets. And, and see, that's the, that's the funny thing is like, you know, when, when you say something like, when someone says, well, who's, who's Moses Mosley. Right. And you say, well, he's one of Michonne's pets from right. the walking dead. At that point, that was kind of his claim to fame. Yeah. And, and it, it, at some point you would get someone saying, Oh, you mean he's number he's zombie number ten thousand forty two. But he was right? like yeah, reoccurring. That was more of a character than just the Here, here's what even though like I said, that was kind of his claim to fame at the time, what people don't realize is he's actually a tremendous actor. Yeah, yeah, he's been and, a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean since then he's he's done all kinds yeah, of Yeah, I mean that's what a tragedy too. I mean he recently yeah, passed away. Yeah. Um Yeah, that was we don't have to go into all that. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's was fine. yeah, unfortunately he had a, a there was an incident. Yeah. He was a great, great guy. He was so nice. Yeah. He's, he's one of the sweetest guys that we've ever worked with. And, um, yeah, he, um, so yeah, so that was, that was extremely sad. Yeah. He, he, what's funny is, so when we were, we did, so we ended up, he ended up taking the role. The role he was originally offered was the main role. But after reading the script for, um, it was uh, bloodbath. Mm -hmm. About the kid in bathtub, yeah. it was that segment. He was he was actually asked. So when I approached him and sent him the script, he was asked to play the main the main role, like the one Kevin Arnold, right? Yeah. Kevin Arnold yeah. playing. But after he read it, he got back to me. He's like, "Dude, I love this. It's great." He goes, "But I want to play the best friend." And I was like, "Huh?" Because <laughs> we wanted him in a main role, right? And he wanted he wanted to get eaten by the bathtub. Yeah. To him, that's like. That that jumped out at him as mo more interesting than like the main. It's more into the kind of the effects and being a monster and all right. that. Right? Like, because that was an opportunity that he never really had been asked. He'd never been asked to do something like this, and he's like, "Well, if I want to do, I want to do this. I want to get taken out by the bathtub." It is fun to get messy in that stuff. Right. So, um, so he ended up being the best friend, yeah. and he's in the movie for not a whole lot of time. He's only in the movie for a few minutes, but, yeah. um, but he. He's great. He's yeah. great in the movie, and he's great in everything he did. And I think that's one like you can look him up on YouTube where he has uh, some acting reels and even some. He's done some monologues. There's a monologue where he he does uh, Malcolm X, and it is phenomenal. It is a great mon. It, it's so he was a tremendous talent. Yeah. We were really lucky to get to work with him. Yeah, he's he he was great. Eric, you were the face in the first volumes of Blood, right. and uh, the face had more presence in this, and you also were in Happy Death Day, which was a funny one. Uh, so <laughs> talk about kind of how you felt with your role being standout. I assume, you know, at that time, that was like the biggest amount of acting you'd done, like in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how did that go for you? Um, well, with, uh, with, with the company being formed, um, my role totally changed. I became more of a producer as well. Mm -hmm. um, as like what PJ did. Um, so I took on uh, a few more hats. Yeah, so. and you directed that segment too, right? Is that right? No, no, no. no, no, no. Okay, I was thinking you directed uh, That was the 13th place. Oh, okay, there. But I ended up getting a few more hats and not just being the prop master. You know, I, and I, you know, I, I did my, my role as the face again throughout the whole movie. Um, we did have an actor had to leave abruptly for some reason. I don't remember. And it just so happened that because I had done acting in the past, I fit the age group. Yeah. I got thrown into this role and I, I found that um, trying to produce and memorize lines and try to get a role down um, 
wasn't working. Um, <laughs> I, I feel for Justin Seaman then when they came on set because I either could memorize my lines and I wasn't acting or I was acting and couldn't remember my lines. And uh, we, we took a big break. And I think Justin and Zane were about to pull their hair out. <laughs> didn't know what they were going to do. And then um, they overheard me talking to, I was kind of going lines with, uh, what was it? I don't remember who I was doing it with. And he goes, you know what? That's pretty good. Let's start again. Or Justin saw, was I talking to Ann? I don't remember. Ann Welsh was uh, playing my wife in that. And uh, he goes, he goes, that sounds pretty good. Let's just say, and, and I'm not, I'm not proud of how it came out <laughs> with my acting. And I'm not going to say it sucked, uh, but I know I can do better. But uh, I had never acted in, in front of a group where somebody's got a camera three feet in front of me yeah. or somebody standing right beside me like right. with a script just watching me act. And, and I'm going to tell you what, that is so different than being on stage. And it was something new to me. Um, it was a good experience. Um, I ended up being um, in uh, Nathan Milliner's um, mm -hmm. The Confession for a Kruger, but I didn't have any lines. Right. <laughs> I just lay in a chair and walking down an alley. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did. I, so taking on many hats and trying to do all of that, plus then having to do that. I just, you know, because when I'm getting home, I'm like, do we have food for the next day? Is everybody going to be there? Is right. the hotel's taken care of? And then it's like, oh, it's 11 o'clock. I got to run my lines. Next yeah. thing I know, it's 1120 and I'm, I'm popping awake. Like <laughs> I, I might as well just go to bed. So it was hard to, I guess, uh, juggle the two. Mm -hmm. And I put more of my emphasis probably on producing. I mean, I don't think I ruined the segment. Oh, yeah. No, but no, it's it just, it, it was. You're always your own worst enemy. Well, exactly. Like right, exactly. I feel, like, uh, I feel like theater acting would be like, I think that's, um, the memorization has always kept me away because I've helped with theater workshop stuff right. just behind the scenes. But I don't think I could, I could memorize for movies because you get second takes. And some of the mm -hmm. things, not that I've been in that much, but some of the stuff we've done at the library, like the silly videos and mm -hmm. stuff, like uh, I kind of just get the gist of what it is. And I try to deliver the dialogue as closely to written as it mm -hmm. is. Sometimes I fix some of the problems with the grammar, but mm -hmm. I just kind of say it as I would if it was me. Uh, yeah. But yeah, as far as like live acting, I don't think I could do that. Well, you know, I mean, theater, I mean, once you've got the lines down, you've got your costume down, you've already been working with these people for weeks. Yeah. You know what they're, they are capable of or do. And when you're on stage, a lot of time the lighting blocks you from seeing the eyes. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. You know, I mean, it really does. You could be standing or sitting. And you're blinded. Well, not mm. blinded, but you're, you, it blocks your right. view of most of the audience. Like the first row or um, something. But like when you're standing on a set, I mean, people are sitting there watching you act, but there may be three people standing behind me, yeah. you know, two people kneeled on the floor holding booms or whatever. Then you got the, the DP and then the director standing. See, I've right. never been to that extent, so, aside from like, you know, PJ who kills me in every movie. <laughs> right. Um, he's right. since before Blood Moon Pitches, like started with the WBKR thing, actually. I remember right. he was murdered in that too. Uh, but so, yeah, I've never been to that extent, I guess, a full right. crew. So, yeah, that would be difficult as it, well. It, there, there, there is, there is a, uh, there's, bar there's other differences as well, but that is a, a big one to me. Yeah. Um, um, I got comfortable in theater. Like I said, I, I didn't have a whole lot of self-esteem in high school, but right. I got more comfortable with it. But then when I left and went to college around whole new directors, whole new people and stuff, kind of started it was, all you know, it was like, you know, and it was like starting all over you're at the bottom of the barrel. And it's a lot more competitive for college. You know, in high school, there was maybe maybe seven, eight guys that would act or, mm -hmm. you know, could be talked into. You get down there and there's a hundred other guys that are right. theater majors that are all going for three rows. I wonder if that's why, like, 
you know, years ago, Shakespeare times and all that. Like, didn't a lot of the girls play guys? Like, in, in oh, the guys played girls. Oh, okay, I got that. Yeah, the guys played girls. Right. Yeah. I just wondered if it was because of the male ego. Yeah, yeah, I might have been back then. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to remember how back in back in the day how women were supposed to take take care of the house, take yeah, care of the kids. That they didn't yeah, get out point. in front of people. Yeah. I mean, you know, so that's what I'm assuming. Yeah. So uh, that shoot, uh, the the second volumes of Blood. How long did that last? Was it? The, the shoot itself yeah, and the game to finish? Is it four months? Four months. So it's actually or shorter it, than... Or was it five months? That's five months. Five, five months. months. Yeah. So a little bit shorter than that. And that came out, that was pretty well received too, and got mm -hmm. a lot of reviews, kind of same, mm -hmm. same sort of deal. You got in a lot of festivals and everything. Mm -hmm. And I know, like, you've been trying to get a third one going. Is that uh, is that still going to happen? Uh, or I know you kind of switch gears and focus on other things. Uh, well... PJ and I, it depends on what day we're talking. <laughs> it gets brought up every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we might be talking something and he'll be like, hey, well, maybe that'll be our segue into doing going. <laughs> and I'm like, really? You want to go into that? And then something will happen a right. few months later. And I'll be like, well, you know, volumes of three and everybody's been finished. <laughs> and it seems like we keep doing that back and forth. But, yeah. you know, who knows? Um, the answer is no. <laughs> no um, I. As far as, uh, so it's called Devil's Night Volumes of Blood 3, and uh, the, the truth of the matter is, it, we spent like two and a half years trying to get it financed. I knew that was uh, happening yeah. for a while. Yeah, and we never really got anywhere. Now, the and what sucked was, the script is really good. Yeah, I, I love that idea. I mean, I know the scenario. Right. I mean, it would need to be recooled at this point because it's been so long, but... The, the script itself, the stories within the confines of the overall narrative and everything, is they're all really good. They're all. So it was a police strong. station, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and so what I think what saddens us most is not necessarily that we didn't get Volumes of Blood three off the ground. I think it's because it was the strongest script out, oh, of, the, yeah. out of all all the Volumes of Blood movies, um, and everybody who read it just absolutely loved it and that, that to us that's the worst part of it is because um like jared burrito was one of the the writers on the script and um her name escapes me now jason oh. turner was the another one and um god i feel i, I, I feel the, like an ass i'm sorry Brittany was it Brittany? no um it's been so long. Honestly, her and I haven't even really chatted. Since. Uh, yeah. It's been years. Not that we had a fight, but that, I mean, that's just the, just the, the way it happens. Yeah. Yeah, when you start working and moving on and doing other things, like you don't keep in touch with everybody. And unfortunately, uh, her and I just, we haven't really talked since then, not because anything happened, but just because she moved on to do different things. I'm still friends with her on Facebook. I apologize. I feel terrible right now. But anyway, <laughs> um, so what we what we've come uh the decision at this point i think is like we still would like to make the movie mm -hmm. but you want to do it right we're going to do it it would almost need to be at this point it would need to be a standalone movie I okay think right it, it would benefit more as a standalone yeah. so like we would just change certain aspects of the film so mm -hmm. it wouldn't be tied to the other volumes of blood the I mean, we. I mean, we could probably still do the face as the main killer in the wraparound, but we would have to change certain elements or just remove things altogether right. in certain parts. Just so, but the 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 police procedural part of it with a kiss, a masked killer, and at the police station, like all of that, 
um, would still work. As a matter of fact, the whole police station thing is an homage to... to Hold on, Precinct 13? Well, no. The, yeah. Well, Jeepers Creepers. Oh, actually, I've I actually haven't seen to, Jeepers Creepers. But, I mean, well, Assault on Precinct 13 works as well. Yeah. I mean, it's in the same vein. I love you know, that I'm, movie. I'm, yeah, I love both of them. that movie. Um, but Jeepers Creepers was in my head because, <laughs> you know, that's, um, the whole Victor Salva thing, uh, yeah. you know, aside. But, but yeah, ultimately, it's that. So, we would still like to make the movie. It's still got some great stories in it and some and yeah. have it in twists, but... It would have to be Something done like completely in a different. Yeah, there's, 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 there's no way it could be a volumes of blood. I uh, mean, I mean, right now we're in pre-production of one film, and we've got another film that we both started writing on, uh, that we plan on doing after this movie. So we've got two movies. So mm -hmm. you're looking at probably ten years from volumes of blood. Right. Two by that time, you're by ready the time for, we do that, by that time you're ready for the out, yeah, you're ready for the twelve reboot. years, and people are going volumes of blood. Now yeah. it might help. Promote Wyman's Blood, Wyman's Blood right. Two, right. twelve years later. But I mean, it would be it probably at least twelve years between the two. Right? Like just just uh, George Lucas, it you know the old Wyman's Blood. And well, Jane. I think the trailer would start up as the movie that was originally Volumes of Blood, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then people would go, "What?" Yeah, and now it's Blood from the producers of, and then you go on. And I know uh, you. Um, you told me this, and if you don't want it in the podcast, I can edit it out. But like, I know with the crowdfunding for Volumes of Blood three, you didn't quite get where you wanted to, but then you reached out. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I thought you. I, I was thinking, and maybe I'm misremembering. Yeah. But I thought well, okay. you got a little bit, but then you're like, can, can we use this for a different movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so what happened was, is in August of 2019, Eric and I got together. We had our like one million. Uh, the number keeps changing. <laughs> yeah, our our. Our one millionth, like, okay, how are we going to get Volumes of Blood 3 made meeting? And we were we, we were still nowhere closer. And what happened was, during the making of Volumes of Blood 2, I had come up with um, this concept for called 13 Slays Till Christmas with the idea that it would be 13 stories, 13 different filmmakers. And the reason I, I came up with the idea for a Christmas anthology was because when we did... When we, so when we did um, Fear for Sinners here, which is Nathan's short, right. um, you know, just it was so it, it, we just shooting something that wasn't it wasn't Christmas time. But everything was decorated. It was very festive. And it was just really cool. Yeah, shooting was, something that, that was, was a Christmas. good one. And everybody had a blast making it. And I think, too, it just because it because you're surrounded by Christmas lights and everything, there's that jolliness to it right? right so it's just like there's something about christmas if you slant it just right this is so creepy like right. uh, but like the energy on that set was infectious yeah. and i think everybody really had a great time doing something that was christmas that wasn't during christmas time right um so then i was like oh we should you know and the last two movies were very halloween heavy right so then it was kind of like well we should do something that's not halloween we'll do christmas so then i came up with the idea for 13 slays till christmas and of course I said something to Eric, and Eric is like, "Really? We're probably gonna have to do Volumes One Three, so I don't even know why you want to try to do another another movie. How many other movies? Because I had this other movie idea called Freezer Burn that started out as a joke, and then the story turned into like a real story. But anyway, um, so the long and the short of it is that got put Thirteen Slaves got put on the shelf. So then in August, when we finally sat down, I had already in my head was like. I am done sitting around trying to make this other movie and we have somewhere around like eleven, twelve thousand dollars just kind of sitting around collecting dust. 
that we're going to have to give that money back because we're coming up on this deadline where we have to use it. And that was from like producers or, or from crowdfunding? No, it was from crowdfunding, from crowdfunding for Devil's Night. Gotcha. Because um, we had done a $15,000 crowdfunder and we only got like eleven or 12000 And so at this meeting, I went in and I said, here's the deal. I said, I'm tired of spinning our wheels trying to do Devil's Night. It's not that I don't want to do Devil's Night. I'm just, we're not getting anywhere. I was like, so what if, and just, just hear me out. I was like, what if we pulled 13 sleighs off the shelf and the money for the Indiegogo, we just, because we're going to end up having to reimburse that money anyways. Right. So let's Hooper get off the pot <laughs> and, and reutilize that movie in a way to where we can make another film, which would be 13 sleighs. Eric was not real keen on that idea because he's like we've spent so much time and energy and everything already we're gonna and i was just like i'm not saying i don't want to do this movie but i'm done trying to get this movie made and it so it was determined it's like okay how about this he was like i'll keep moving forward on on devil's night and you focus on 13 slaves till christmas and in the next couple of months we'll see where we're at and if Headway has been made on Devil's Night. That's what we're going to do. But if you're able to get more accomplished on 13 Slays, then, you know, I think it was like by December. If you got more accomplished, then then we'll make that movie and we'll put Devil's Night on the back burner. And I said, okay. So um, I kind of bounced back and forth. But my main focus was 13 Slays. And I started reaching out to filmmakers and, and, and get so by the time we got back together to really sit down and talk what had been accomplished, nothing had still been, <laughs> you know, no headway had been made on Devil's Night. It was still the same thing. Yeah. yeah. But 13 Slays at this point had concepts, had filmmakers. If we were to utilize the money that we had, um, had a budget and, or at least part of one. So at that point we both sat down and was like, okay, there's way more has been accomplished and been done with 13 slaves. That's the direction we're going to go. It was, it was a little, it was a little bit of a nightmare. I mean, cause neither one of us wanted to give up. PJ got less patient and tired at the end than I did. I didn't want to give up. And it was just like, I was getting nowhere with it, but I mean, it worked. The, the logistic problem was, is like out of all the money that people gave us for <laughs> devil's night, only like 80, 85% of the people were like, okay, yeah, just go ahead and make the other oh, movie. So, you didn't have to so then funds. we had to go back and I had to, we had to sit and write checks and PayPal all these people yeah. and a couple of them fell through the cracks and then they were like, where's our money? Like, oh, sorry. And But we finally got everybody paid back that wanted their money back, which we hated because <laughs> that's just giving money back. Right. But I mean, I understand it was, they gave the money for that and this yeah. is for this. Uh, but I mean, once that was said and done, we were already almost ready to film by the time that was all done. And then the big COVID. COVID. Yeah. So did that, drop, did that drop right before, or like in the middle of when you guys were shooting? Pretty right? much the middle. Was the middle. One yeah, was, um, so we shot four of the segments here in Owensboro. Two were done in Louisville, and the rest of them were done by filmmakers from around the country. Mm -hmm each one from a different state. Um, by the time we 
were about to film ours, which was March 15th. Um, Three segments had already been filmed, two in Louisville, and then there was one other. I'll be honest, I don't know which one it was. So three segments, three of the 13 had been filmed already. And then we were preparing to shoot. We were going to start with the wraparound, Mm -hmm. which was going to take place at Milligan's Bar. And oh, yeah, that bar looked excellent. The shoot, that oh, was, yeah, that was so it cool. was it was exactly like when uh, I wrote the segment visually, that what you're thinking like aesthetically. Oh, that's what I had in my head. Cool. And um, so yeah, so we were we were it was a Thursday, we were fully prepped, ready to shoot, and then the the everything closed, yeah. And so we had to we we in essence, had to shut down the entire production um, because no one, at that point, we were in an apocalyptic state. Right. Nobody know. knew what was going on. No, yeah, I mean... It, I, it wasn't just here. It was everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was well, globally, and then, of course, across the United States, like, everything shut down. And at that point, effectively, we figured the movie was dead. As I mean, I try to be um optimistic but i was pretty certain that we were going to be burning bodies yeah it was was hard to be optimistic there for a while yeah so i was like everything we've ever the movie doomsday like this is it this is going to be that movie i'll I'll be living in malcolm mcdowell's castle (laughs) in like eight months so um so yeah so we thought the project was dead in the water at that point but um as we all know the world did not fully end yeah. Um, the only thing that ended was people's uh, work ethic at fast food restaurants. <laughs> that's that's the where the apocalypse is. And um, and uh, sorry, McDonald's workers. But uh, but anyway, so yeah, so but you know through perseverance and communication. Now, of course, some things changed in terms of directors, but with with all that in mind, we were able to push forward. And by things like June or July production started again but of course everybody had to do things a little bit differently certain certain stories had changed yeah. because of the different uh protocols and rules and guidelines yeah i think it was around july or august because i got a call from you uh, same day i got my dog actually uh, my wife surprised me with harvey and uh we were in the car with the dog kind of riding around and pj gave me a call somebody had gotten covid and he needed me to be murdered in another project so i gladly stepped in i got a mouthful of chocolate syrup Right. Uh, good times, good times. And I remember everybody was masking up and stuff. So you guys were very like, you know, straightforward with your with your uh, by the letter, I guess, of uh, yeah. keeping everybody masking. We, we tried, yeah. Well, and you had to. Yeah, yeah, you had to like when we because we didn't we didn't want to run the risk because we knew what the stigma was going to be if we didn't do that. Right. And of course, at, at, even at that point, there was no like streamlined information right so even with even with the virus no it's no one still really knew like we right. all knew we wanted to get back to as normal as we could yeah. but we still and and so but moving forward we you know everybody wore masks we tried to social distance which yeah. i mean we all know how that is that's, right it's, it's kind of hard to do 100%. but we, but everybody had assigned seats mm-hmm. uh when you got up or you know when you got we, up, we tried to do that as yeah, much as you, possible you it didn't s- always work everybody would spray their seats down with mm-hmm. lysol we had wipes everywhere we yeah. used gloves whenever you got food it was so we like yeah like eric was just saying is like everybody we were as careful as we possibly could nobody got sick yeah 
Oh, really? Nobody got wow. sick That's on impressive. our set. We had one scare, but it ended up not being from right. here. So I guess and the guy, no, the guy actually, no, to... nobody got sick on any of the sets. That's oh, awesome. Really? Because that was one of the things moving forward. We got with every other director and we said, look, if we're going to do this, like at the end of the day, Blood Moon Pictures, this is our liability because it's our project. Right. And so, you know, if we're going to do this, we have to do it right. So we got with all the other directors and we said, here's what we're doing on our sets. And we and we really want everybody else to, to do the same. Kind of like a and, list of standards. To everybody right. And, and we sent the guidelines and things to everybody. And, and they did. That everybody adhered to it. Um, I mean, to our knowledge. Right. If they didn't, they got incredibly lucky. But we still, at the end of the day, we dodged a huge bullet. And I think a lot of that was from trying to be as careful as, as we possibly could. I know I didn't get it there. I didn't get it until, like, uh, the only time I've had COVID the day before my birthday, uh, I got a positive test. I was like, oh, what a great gift. <laughs> but, you know, that's impressive because, like, like you said, you know, everything was changing. There's new information every day, it seemed like. And, sure. yeah, the fact nobody got sick, that's very impressive. I'm, su- I'm surprised we got the movie finished. Yeah. I mean, I mean, because of all the people that were involved, I'm surprised some people just, I mean, there are people out there really freaked out with COVID. And I'm surprised right. some of them just didn't walk away with our actor or a DP or whatever. And yeah. we did, I mean, like Drew Marvick, I mean, um, there at the end, when he was supposed to be doing his, I think he lives in Vegas. And they had, uh, the city or the county, state, whatever, had just brought down some laws where you can't have more than eight people in an area oh, wow. on a film set or whatever. and he was getting ready to shoot, so he had to completely do a whole new story, and basically he used his house and his kids, so he wrote a story and used So oh, if you've okay. seen the yeah. one, that, that's his yeah. kids, okay. and that's him playing. I didn't recognize the name, but yeah, I, didn't, I do remember that. Um, what is the name of that one? Do you remember the name of that segment, 13 Slaves, with your mark? What was the name? Oh, Santa Claus, C-L-A-W-S. Yeah, <laughs> and no, those are actually his kids, yeah. but that wasn't his original story and what he was going to do, but he had to put that together okay. because he wasn't going to meet the deadline. Uh, and uh, I mean, it worked out. It's, yeah, it's, it it's a great little segment. So I, I, but, I, assume, I assume COVID's probably the hardest thing in the shoot. I'm volumes of blood had many horror, horror stories, yeah. no pun intended, I guess. Uh, but um, yeah, that's I guess any other like hard hardships faced uh, apart from COVID during that time it seemed like it went pretty smoothly, especially when considering what everybody was going through. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, yeah, I think I was amazed that nobody got COVID throughout yeah. the entire production across the board. Um, you know, and like I said, I remember everybody came through like troopers. I'm surprised somebody just like, look, man, I know this next week is when I have to have this. But, you know, I got three people that I want to be here because of COVID and there's nothing else I can do. Yeah. But I'm really surprised we got to the point. It's it's amazing. And then how well the film turned yeah, out. Yeah, because everything came together really well. Um, That's I'm not sitting here like patting myself on the back. No, because, sure. you know, you know, now I'll, 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 I'll pat, I'll pat it for you if my arms are Yeah, so... Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing it came together. Yeah, and I mean, it seemed like, I guess this one, even despite the COVID thing, it was like a smoother shoot than Volumes of Blood, the first one, probably, just based on what I know. We, we, have, we have never had it easy when we're doing this, <laughs> ever. There's always something. Uh, this is the one I was I was around the least for this one, so I didn't know if uh, how we how... We've either got people quitting on us last minute, you know, wanting to fight over the petty stuff and walking away. There's always something happening. And but it seems like every time something happens, it's a silver lining to something else. Yeah. But it's been something. COVID was probably the hardest thing we had to overcome through yeah. all the filming. But there's always been something. But you appreciate that appreciate it that much more when it's over. Right, right. And all the hard work else. pays off for sure. You want to talk now? Maybe. <laughs> no, what I was gonna say is like every and he, I mean, he basically just kind of said it, but it was like every film 
had a different kind of hardship. Right. Like volumes of blood was the first, was my first big, uh, real big like producing job, right? So mm -hmm. for me and for that, it was the it was like the scheduling, the facilitating. Even though Jim was a big part of that, right? But what the biggest thing hurdle to overcome was the time limitations. Yeah, because we only we had eight hours one Saturday to film a sequence, but really after you. Uh, knock out, clean up, and and set up, flip those. Yeah. Then you, it's like you'll really only have six hours, maybe if you're lucky to get the whole segment done. Right. You never know when there's like an effect that's going to misfire. I remember the the floor, the blood coming out of the floor. I think I think you guys had some trouble with that. Uh, the the right. fake floor that we turned yeah, out. That was up on the table. table. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah. It was like a picture of the flooring. Right. Yeah, we literally like took a, took a picture of the floor the and printed it up. Yeah, yeah. with like the book sitting on there, yeah. like blood coming. And right. There was like the book was like flopping around. <laughs> so yeah, so there was like I mean special effects pulling those off. Those they're, they're, you kind of anticipate that there's going to be some redos or there's going to be some issues and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But in terms of like overall hurdles, like it was time limitations for the first one. For the second film, it was egos because we we ended up having to boot like five or six people off the project, and I'm not talking like small. Like there was one actor, but we ended up having to get rid of like big positions oh. because of like ego based issues, right. where somebody wanted something very specific. Last minute, yeah, yeah last minute. But e even then, it was like it was stuff that never benefited the project. Mm -hmm. and everybody's trying to work towards a common goal. And if, and if you're trying to, it, it, it's fine to know your, your worth and to know that you have value that, that there's nothing wrong with that. But with, when you're sitting there trying to get something and it's all completely selfish and it doesn't benefit the project and it hurts the project and everybody else in the end, just because you want to try to throw some cloud around, then, then we don't have time for that. So. I imagine that's like with the anthology, that's really difficult to do. You got to like. Think about well, this person work well with this person putting like a puzzle together basically and, and right uh, and that does and happen. Work on moving pieces so so it was egos in the second movie then there was a few other things that we dealt with but then the third movie of course was a global pandemic right. which is one of the largest hurdles that we've ever had to deal with but what's interesting is on set everybody worked together incredibly well and, you know and, and times of like tragedy like that i feel like people do even personalities that might clash otherwise they just like everybody's going through bad things right now we should maybe be friendlier to right. each other and, so. I, and i feel like that's what happened is mm -hmm. because everybody i mean everybody that we worked with was either people that we wanted to work with or people we worked with before mm -hmm. so it was it was new and it was it was new and it was nice because it was like we, we had that mix and what you said, it was like everybody was working towards a common goal, but at, at this point, it was like not only were we trying to make something together, but the enemy was this invisible enemy, right? right? right. That was trying to kill us, and our goal was to just get this movie made. So it was like I don't think anybody stopped to think about themselves. It was about the project and the, and the fact that there was like this this pandemic happening that none of us had, had waters we've never traversed. Right or navigated now we're having to do that and because of that everybody that it was the, it was just getting the movie done because i think like what eric said no one anticipated the movie ever being finished <laughs> like we figured it was never gonna happen and it did you got pretty meta and wise well i almost feel like there's a movie in that like making a movie during a pandemic like that seems like something that you could do something with right well see and ironically too that was something else we didn't want to do because 
all these indie filmmakers that were planning on making movies when the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. a lot of those films had pandemic elements that they oh, ended up going yeah. on and making. Mm-hmm. When we made this movie, we were like, everybody hates this. Like right. nobody wants. You got you got you got to get you, yeah you got to get some time between the tragedy and the right. movies. Like I love uh, I love Contagion and I love um, what's the What's the movie with the monkey? Outbreak. Outbreak. Like, I love those movies, but at the same time, I don't want to sit there and watch those movies. Right. I, I struggle with that. Yeah. <laughs> I read a lot. I, I read a whole lot. Uh, and, like, I, I would look for books that were, like, happy or not about apocalypse things or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can understand. You, you kind of want a distraction from things that are really going on outside your door when things like that are happening. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the movie, like, I saw that uh, when. I don't remember if I was at the, was the premiere at KWC or did you? Uh... Yeah, it was in the Jack Wells activity. Okay, there you go. So I was there for that. And yeah, everything came together well. And I know you and I talked about it afterwards. I think, you know, one of the best things you guys have ever done for sure. Um, now, do you guys, are you going to stick to anthologies, you think? Or do you think you'd like to do something that's like the two of you? Or, or do you like the, the anthology format? Because it really does seem like that would be very difficult to do. Um, what's an anthology? <laughs> an anthology? Did I say that wrong? Huskinson's? No, I'm just messing with oh, you. Oh, okay. Uh, there, there are some things that occurred before we started recording this this recording that we're actually using where I would say uh, Eric's last name wrong. Yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you brain dead at this point Huskison, like we are? Huskison. Do you mean anthropology? Anthropology. Yeah. Anthropology of the story. Okay, anthropology with our movies. Uh, let's talk about that. Uh, no, um, it's funny you ask that because right now we're in pre-production on our next film. Which isn't a Volumes of Blood movie. Oh yeah, talk about that. Um, but be, because of PJ's got a couple of scripts that I've liked, I've wanted to do for a while, and um, I uh, I had a train of thought here. I'll come out in a second. Um, but <laughs> I, I told PJ uh, he he had mentioned like uh, he had an idea for this uh, holiday. New one, new called New Fear's Eve, New which Fear's was Eve. you know on New Year's Eve. Gotcha. And uh, I kind of blew it off at first, and I was like, the more time went by, I was like, you know what, man, Thirteen Slaves just took off like gangbusters. I mean, um, usually you've got to wait for stuff to come in, and 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 the distributor is like, hey, man, I'm already going to send you stuff because this is just flying off the shelf, which. I don't want to say we were shocked, but it just did really well. So it's uh, the the DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff are selling. Yeah, right? yeah, Thirteen Slaves, uh-huh. and uh, it was doing really well. And I was like, man, I said we need to ride the coattails on this. Oh we yeah, got that New Year's Eve. Let's do another holiday. And then there was kind of some stuff in there back and forth where there was other stuff that PJ might have wanted to do, but then it was like, well, let's do this. Well, this is a story that PJ wrote, but it's a single narrative. It's not an anthology. Okay. So our next film is going to be uh, a single narrative. Um, he, he, he so rolled it, uh, wrote it, but you know, he does give it to me and then I tweak it, make it better. And then, uh, but no, I mean, I go through and I read it and I, you know, yeah, I, okay. no, I approve it or not approve it. And there might be something I say add or, or take out or something. And we argue over that, but it is, it's his story. Um, but we are working on another anthology kind of in the background at the same time, but new fears Eve is our baby now that we're in pre-production for. I've uh, got an Indiegogo going to be coming out on September 6th. Yeah, you've done some casting works. with that already. Um, we've, uh, we have, uh, we've done some auditions, some video auditions, went through everything. We've been talking to some people. We haven't really said, we, hey, not, not, official. Official, not official. We've talked to some people. 
Um, that is going to be coming, what, within the next couple of weeks. We are going to start announcing, especially with cool. Indiegogo, who's involved, yeah. who's not involved, who some people that we have talked to. Um, we're talking to somebody Sunday. We're talking to somebody tomorrow night. We're talking to several people tomorrow night, actually. And then we're talking to somebody Sunday. We've had some callbacks. Um, we still have some stuff that we have to fill um, and do some tweaking with all that. But, yeah, in the next two or three weeks, uh, a lot of that cast is going to be announced. So audition, video auditions are still open? Um, we have – PJ had put a thing out in the last couple of days on several sites that we're needing – uh, a role for two uh, males, 25 to 35. Um, we're still looking to fill those. Uh, we may have a couple of prospects for one, um, but while we were looking for the other, we just thought we'll go ahead and see if we get some other people to come in for the other one. Yeah, well. go ahead and plug how people can submit videos. Just in case um, right now, um, it's kind of late in the game. Um, I don't know when this airs, but I'm going to probably edit it tomorrow. I want to get it out before the weekend if possible. Okay, well. Basically, if anybody wants to audition to this, they can email us at bloodmoonpicks at gmail.com. Um, like I said, it's two male rows, 25 to 35. I mean, you can be, you know, 21, 22, as long as you look older, or, you know, if you're 36, 37, and you look 43. a lot younger. 43. Uh, that's probably going to be pushing it. I mean, and, it, and, it, and it's not, it, it's just, it fits with the other rows, because there's oh, several rows with that yeah, same age. Yeah. And you throw it's just not gonna oh, work. I'm, I'm but I mean, right now we're telling everybody by this weekend, by Sunday. Oh yeah, so that's so that, not a whole lot of time. Okay. But I mean, if somebody, we'll still look at it. We look at everything that comes yeah. in, and sometimes we do miss one. And somebody reminds us when we go back and we find okay. it, we do watch it. But I mean, I think as long as they have them to us by Sunday, I mean that's not yeah. much time. But if right. you really want to do it, you yeah. know, you'll do it. Yeah, it's not really. Um, to, can you talk about the story from this one, or are you keeping that under wraps right now? Well, um, I'm going to let PJ tell you what he wants to tell you about it or not tell you about it. It's got zombies in it. Oh, yeah. Nobody, nobody's it. doing that oh, yeah. right now. And uh, Zombies a, are so hot. There's a sea monster and uh, a lighthouse. Well, some of them are half werewolf <laughs> and some of them are half zombie. Yeah, there's so a werewolf. There's, a there's like vampires. And, oh. uh, no. Um, okay, so... The story is about three best friends who all work at this. Uh, you don't really know what the company does, but ultimately they work at this company. It's just a regular uh, white collar job. They all hate it. And they're coming up on this mandatory um, New Year's Eve party that none of them want to be at. So they're all preparing to go to that. Well, unbeknownst to them, they're each being stalked by this serial killer that's going around called the doctor. And of course he's being hunted by the FBI and the police. So there's all these like little subplots and stuff happening, yeah. but the main focus is these three best friends and kind of their dynamic from the beginning of the film to the end of the film. And then, um, of course they go to the new year's Eve party and what they don't realize is the killer shows up and, Hot killer, right? Why even make the movie? No, no, like nobody's, nobody knows that's going to happen. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's actually a horror comedy. Oh, good. It's yes. not. Oh, good. Like, no, no, no. That was a, something different. No, no, no. That was a legitimate. Oh, good. Because like I always, I know you hate your, your person section. I thought those movies were hilarious. So if you bring some of that old school comedy back into this, I think it would right. be good. Well, when so when I when I told him the idea about it, he was like, "Yeah, we should do that." Um, and I sat and I sat down to write it. It was supposed to be just a straightforward horror film. I mm -hmm. never anticipated it. I never expected it to be. 
But that's the thing. Like, I always inject comedy into the dialogue. Yeah. But there is a lot of dialogue in this. It's more that so, Kevin Smith style. Oh, yeah. Oh, there, I mean, a lot. Yeah. And then um, it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't really. Only a couple of times does it really kind of start to, uh, to to move over into like slapstick. Yeah. But it doesn't go too far. So because of of like those two instances and then the dialogue, it's more of a comedy than. Okay. Yeah. Now when it's horror, it's horror. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of the it's a lot of the stuff that you, that you like about horror films. There's a lot more comedy to it, and that's the funny thing. So I even told Eric after I wrote it, I said. This is probably a lot more funny than what you're gonna, what you're expecting to read. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Oh, okay, yeah." And then he sat down and he read it. And then we got when he got done reading, he goes, "I thought you were writing a horror film." <laughs> he goes, "I didn't expect this. This is more of a comedy." Yeah. Than I said, "Yeah, I, I warned you." And then, and then he put a line in there that's not in the movie just to mess with me. I'm not going to tell you why I can't on the air. But oh yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, but this isn't going to be when he says horror film. This isn't going to be like a spook. Right. I like scary movie or anything like that. There is a lot of comedy. And I'm hoping and hoping as this goes along that maybe suggestions will come along or some other ideas. We're doing something that make even more stuff. Right. You get, right people, you get right. the right people in a relationship. Right, exactly. like so I'm hoping there's even more comedy when he wrote into it to, to make it more funny. Yeah. Um, even though, you know, the horror aspect is there. So I'm hoping that that, you know. It gets boosted up a little bit. I like more. a mix like that because it's like it almost makes the the violence more like jarring when it goes from jokey jokey yeah. jokey and here's somebody's yeah. getting their head ripped off or whatever. Yeah. That's cool. I'm excited to see that. And you, uh, do you have any idea when you might start shooting it, or you're still too far away to to have a date on that, or, or when you would like to start? I guess. Well, right now we're like I said, we're in the middle of trying to get the cast together mm-hmm. so we can start doing um, the Indiegogo, Indiegogo and get our that, funding. That's early September, is that what you told me? We have some marketing being done to try to bring, be bring product placement in mm-hmm. um, here in Owensboro in the surrounding area that would help with funding. And uh, so hopefully that we're going to know by October and if we get the funding that we think we're going to need to make this film, uh, then Hopefully, we'll start filming around January and go through around April. Um, of course, we're going to be Weekend Warriors again. It'll be on right. weekends. I mean, we might throw a Friday in there if something is needed to. Yeah. We'd have to take a day off, but we're not going to take like two weeks off and just film solid. It'll still be weekends, but it'll probably be at least two weekends a month for several months. Um, and we're, we've been doing location scouting already for months um, doing that. So, I mean, like I said, but that's been, we've been in pre-production for this for quite a while, actually. Um, we were going to put the Indiegogo out two months ago, Oh yeah. <laughs> but we just keep thinking about other stuff that we could do. And PJ's come up with a good idea that we're working on to, or I guess we're going to talk about the video that we're doing yeah. to be added on to uh, entice people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be filming a video. Here in the oh episode. yeah. You mentioned that to me the other day. That's, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's awesome. Looking, uh, looking forward to the, the new project. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up then. We're going about an hour and a half. <laughs> not not bad, not bad. Can I talk uh, more about me now? Oh, yeah, go no, ahead. No. <laughs> what did you do there, Eric? I was in college, and I did the <laughs> acting, and that took it got me out of my shell. And uh, Why do you put As up many that? times as I've heard you talk about you, let, let, and then let. I finally talk about me, and you make fun of me. You know what? 
I'm about to document the, I'm about to document the ending of Blood in the Pitcher. So when I was 13, my grandfather and grandmother got me a, a RCA camcorder. And, oh, well, um, before, like, what kind of outputs were on? <laughs> oh, it was uh, auxiliary. It was the red and yellow. Oh, yeah. Ooh, those those yep, are really classic. Yep, yep. Vintage camera. Oh, yeah. Vintage. <laughs> vintage. Oh, um, yeah. oh, yeah. I wrote and directed this segment and 13 Slays. Uh, first time ever doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I completely go. <laughs> no. I was messing just a second. Oh, no. I meant, yeah, I meant, I meant to ask you about that. It got some clout. <laughs> See, yes, nothing I do. It's always going to be underrated. To <laughs> we we are going to show several segments from yes. Thirteen Slaves this weekend, yeah, including <laughs> the one that Eric directed. His uh, wrote and directed. He wrote and directed it. It's an excellent segment. Uh, Christmas themed horror. You know, PJ hated. PJ hated. I did not hate it. <laughs> See, but there is. Oh, here oh, I'm going to throw this out there real quick. Okay, so when he wrote the original script, I didn't dislike it. But I thought it could be better. So and he rewrote that. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so anyway, my big problem was is that it had, it had no twist. Oh. And like I grew up on Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt, all that, right? So mm-hmm. any any anthology was like the twist, that's where it's at. Right. So everything I've ever written, and you know, that's me putting my expectations on someone else, and that's <laughs> that's my character flaw. But I always like the for me it's the twist, yeah. right? So he wrote this, and it just it just kind of ends the original script. There was no twist or anything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, and and this is this is there there is a fine line between confidence and bragging, but I feel like I am a strong writer, and one of the things that I'm strongest at I feel is is dialogue. Yeah, and twists. Twists. I think I'm pretty good at twists. So anyway. I was like, hey, can I take a crack at your script? And and in his mind, he's like, he's thinking, um, I'm just going to go in and tweak a few things. Right. So I took his script and I, yeah, I rewrote probably about 85%. I don't think he meant to in the beginning. No, no, no. But I, I think didn't. the more he got into it, the more he's like, he just kept going with PJ. And it's like, well, you know what? And he just, he just, he handed it to me. I read it. I won't listen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he called me. He's like, he said, uh, I thought you liked it. I, yeah, he, he said, I thought you liked my script. And I said, well, I mean, I didn't hate it. And he goes, well, you rewrote this whole thing. I said, I didn't rewrite the whole thing. I just, re, you know, so I, I, I gave it this whole new twist. I, I, well, let me, I, I gave it a twist, right? <laughs> and I did, a, I punched up the dialogue. And uh, he, he's like, well, this isn't my story. This is not what I want. And I said, well, okay. I was like, you know, I, f- I feel like I, I, I don't, I didn't feel like the original script was bad. I was like, but I feel like I, I punched it up, Yeah. but I did rewrite a lot of it. So I, I, I understand like where he's coming from. I was just trying to help. Right. So the, my, my help was like, you know, making it better. And um, so, so anyway, so he goes, so he goes, well, I'm going to take what you did and I'm going to go back to my original script and I'll keep there's a few things that you and wrote I did. here that I did that I did like. Um, he goes, but I'm gonna. So so he went and he kept a few things and then, but he went back to his original story. But so he sent it to me, and my issue was that there was still no twist, right? And I said it needs to have some kind of a twist. So we went back and forth on a lot of things, and then finally, what he what he had come up with, I was like, 
don't know. It's still it was the day. It's it's better than nothing. Like what you came up and, and I said, I don't really, you know, so I threw some more things out there and he's like, I don't like any of those. And finally, I just got kind of frustrated and I said, all right, fine. I said, you know what? I said, here's your crash and burn. Basically, I said, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I said, look, I said, I'm not trying to be mean when I say this. I said, but but you have to learn. And, you know, if, if that's what the story you want to go with, I said, sure, just just do that. And if and if nobody likes it because there's no twist or anything, because what was there was kind of ambiguous. I said that, that that's just, you know, that's your story. That's what you want to do. And so I, honestly, I, I was like, nobody's going to like this, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and but I was wrong. I, I was wrong. And, 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 and even when we got on set, the ending that's there now is not exactly what no. was the ending no. that he had, had original or had come up with through the rewrite. So it ended up becoming because once we got on set and we started shooting it, he realized that what he wanted to do just was not going to work. Yeah, so we kind of yeah, it was a logistical nightmare. Yeah, so we ended up just kind of throwing some ideas out, and, and what you see there is is what what ultimately ended up just saying like, well, let's go with this, and yeah. that was all done on set. Oh yeah, but once again, I can I digress. I was wrong. A lot of people have really enjoyed, and and once again. There's people that don't I like it too. I didn't dislike it, like what? Because I edited the segment, and I even told him after I put it together, I was like, "This came out way better than I thought it was <laughs> going to." And I'm, I mean, and visually, Alex Clark is the one who who shot it. Of yeah. course, what he does, just, thank God. Yeah, he he, the stuff he shoots looks beautiful, and and of course, his visual style and everything, you know, it really brought it really helped, it really brought his story to life. And I, so I, I was changed. My idea, my perspective on his short changed by the time I had done, I had done like the rough edit of it. But, um, but yeah. So it might. So it, it, I was proven wrong. A lot of people <laughs> came back and really have enjoyed. Yeah, that was, that was and I'm glad because all you know, because I mean it, that just helped make the overall product better. Yeah, being being the writer director, like I said earlier, about acting and producing at the same time, I found producing and directing at the same time is pretty difficult. It's it's kind of like you forget to take the one hat off, so you can't focus on one thing. Um, but that's something to learn from. The ending, I wish he and I could have come to an agreement or uh, an ending we both agreed upon that would have worked. Um, or an ending. What we finally <laughs> finished, what I finally had in my head to do. We realized wasn't going to work, um, and there is a shot in there I wish would have been added in there or had been done to make it a little better. Now, thank God to Alex, who made it look good, mm -hmm. and Cassandra Baker and Bethany making what I want. I wanted it to be creepy, and I think it came out creepy. Oh, it did. So I'm happy with that. I'm not happy with the ending at all. Um, so I mean, so thank him for letting me do what I wanted to. And I'm not, I'm not upset with it because some people like it, but I understand what he's saying because the ending isn't what I want. <laughs> um, and there was a couple of shots in there that should have been added or done differently that would have made it a little bit more like, oh, okay. But I'm not upset about it. I've let it go. I just, you know, would have, could have. Sounds like a song from Hindsight, Hindsight. Yeah, Hindsight's 2020. I can't go back and change it now. Um, so I mean, you could, but, Lucas right, but it, 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 it came out creepy and thank, thank goodness to Alex and, and Bethany and mm -hmm. Cassandra. And that's all I really yeah. care about. So. Yeah. So like I said, you can see that 
segment and uh, some for PJ. So you three all together, right? Right. So you're right. Yeah, two are PJs. Yeah. And uh, well, I, I wrote them. Yeah, he wrote. You wrote, no, you didn't direct either one of them. That's right. He wrote them, and then Brittany Blanton and um, uh, Alex. Alex Clark. Yeah. Right, so you can see those, and I guess that's the one I die in, so you get to see me die again. Mm-hmm. This is something a lot of people's wanted for years. Uh, this weekend at Unscripted, 7 o'clock at the Davis County Public Library. We're going to show uh, one from Daryl Peck, too, uh, another Owensboro guy. Who? Daryl Peck. Who? No, no <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's a good time. You get to learn about film. You get to meet some filmmakers. Uh, you get to eat some popcorn, maybe get a bad movie poster or two. I think we should bring that back this weekend. But, yeah, please come out. Thanks for talking to me, guys. Uh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Good man. luck with the new movie. Glad to be invited. <laughs> <laughs>